3: Welcome into Browns Film Breakdown. Your host Jake Burns, writer at the OBR, coming at you on what is uh, now Sunday, Sunday evening. I've got, I've gone through and done um, some pretty good stuff with some people. I think you guys are going to really enjoy uh, from 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 different angles and different perspectives. And the goal here is to teach you about the Browns' thought process, who they are signing and why they're signing them, how the deals are structured, and um, give you some information on what they're going to maybe do next as we head into sort of a mystery time leading into the draft. And hopefully the draft is staying on time. It seems like the NFL is pretty committed um, to understanding that they can do everything to a certain schedule that doesn't involve face-to-face meetings. And it'll be interesting to see how creative they get with the uh you know, with the draft process and how they can do it from different locations and remotely, and keep people separated. I hope you and yours are safe. Hope everybody's doing well. Ohio, where I am, most of you listeners are, just got the order to stay in place. And um, you know, I'm just going to urge you to do as much of that as you can. I know life can be tough, and you got to get out, and you got to do certain things. And some of you have jobs that are essential. Stay safe, uh, sanitize, do all those things you can. I know I don't have an essential day job, so I will be trying to stay in home as much as I can. Luckily for me, my job has shifted to being able to work from home, which helps us. I hope that is happening for as many of you as listen to this podcast. And again, hoping you're getting out, getting some sunshine, reading, doing some workouts. That's what I've been trying to do, really get my body active, stay in shape. Actually, I'm so far out of shape, it's been brutal. But uh, I'm trying to uh, expend as much energy doing that as I possibly can. Hope you guys are doing whatever it is that helps your mind stay safe. And I tweeted that out earlier. You know, if you need to get your mind off things, this can be stressful, money can be involved. There's a whole bunch of stress triggers for everybody. And if you if you have anything going on you want to talk about, I know I'm a stranger, but I'll listen. I'll be here. I'll help. I've been through things in my life. I can try to help you talk yourself through this. Um, we're trying to keep my two-year-old entertained. He's yelling, screaming at all hours. He's going crazy. Everybody's getting a little cabin fever. But we, you know, we try to get out as much as we can. And I, I hope you guys are doing the same. And the NFL is giving us a good reprieve, giving us a good chance to talk about things that aren't uh, the reality of the day life that we're living right now. And the Browns have done a nice job of going about different ways of signing folks. So uh, we're gonna have Jack Duffin on first. Jack does cap work. We're gonna talk to him about some of his work. He does work it over the cap. Listen, you you follow Jack on Twitter, you you know he's got some different theories, and I I think that that's something I wanted to talk about. But he's gonna give you information um, on things that I think are important. And, you know, just because somebody doesn't align necessarily with your thought process doesn't mean you mute them out. I think you listen to what everybody has to say. And I think Jack has some really good thoughts. And he taught me about uh, how the Hooper-Conklin deals are structured, which is really interesting. I think you'll learn something from that. ESPN's Jake Trotter is going to come on uh, second. He's got great information from inside the walls of Berea. He has a pulse for what's going on. Just a year here, he's a superstar, man. He's going to keep getting better as his connections keep growing. He's got great information about what they've done, where they're going. He's been spot on about players ahead of time. He's got a wealth of knowledge. And then Brendan Leister from Pro Football Focus. A frequent guest of this podcast does fantastic stuff for them and uh, has a good feel for what they might need to do going forward, what they might do before the draft, and then uh, some players to keep an eye on. And uh, this is packed full of good stuff, so I hope you guys really enjoy, and uh, let's get over to our first interview. Got Jack Duffin on, who... uh has done fantastic stuff on his podcast with Paul Brown they they still do their podcast slow down a little bit but they're still doing it so if you've been a loyal listener I'm sure you're still noticing that they're doing it but life's crazy once a week kind of thing he's writing at Dogland he does a ton of stuff with uh salary cap um you know analysis and conversations that I think are fun sometimes listen Jack knows things I don't know and ja- I know things Jack don't you know doesn't know so we we go back and forth sometimes it's never personal it's just conversation I think it's fun to have these conversations because you know, Believe it or not, folks, you can have a disagreement with somebody online and still be friendly and still be the friend and still want to talk to them about differing opinions that you might not agree with, but that's okay. It's weird. I know. You don't have to call them names and you don't have to make fun of them. It's a strange atmosphere. Jack, how are you, man?
4: I'm good. No, it's, it's always something that I can go to you and get sort of my X's and O's content as someone that, hey, grew up in England, has no real um, experience playing the game. The X's and O's isn't the side I know much about, roster construction, salary cap, I spent a lot of time, it's a lot of interest for me there, so uh, that's where my skill set is, it's not X's and O's or anything, and being able to reach out to people like you really allows me to build on that side of the game as well. Well,
3: I appreciate that, and you know I'm reaching out to you because I think you do as much studying and knowledge. You use a lot of Over the Cap, which is a great website, and I think you have great knowledge about... Um, Where contracts are, how the contract structure works, and why the Browns might have signed their first two guys here, you know, Hooper and Conklin, to to the deals they signed them to. So I'm, I'm very intrigued in your opinion on this, and I wanted to see if you could put it out there for people to help them better understand it. So you recently kind of tweeted out about being surprised about how they structured those two deals for Conklin and Hooper. Kind of give me your reasoning for why you're surprised by how they structured those.
4: Both are incredibly player friendly deals. So, if we look at sort of the Hooper one, um, first three years, more or less fully guaranteed because there's no out. The only out you've sort of got is in year four, you could cut him, but you're still going to be left with five million in dead cap just because of the way the sign in bonus and then option bonus is structured. And you don't really want to be left with five million dead cap on a player for cutting them that sort of year early because, quite frankly, that's a lot of money that you're not spending on a starter somewhere else. So they so, have, Jack,
3: not to interrupt. So they have, they have three years and then they have two years after that. And how does that work?
4: So this is the Hooper deal, um, which is just the straight four years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's three years um, where you can't get rid of him for any of those three, but that fourth year you could cut him, but it's locked in. The both of those deals incredibly backloaded. Um, if we touch onto the Conklin one. Um, if you look at the deal on over the cap, you're going to see five years. The reason for that is it's a three-year deal and then it's got two voidable years. And you see lots of teams do this. Um, the Eagles, the Saints and the Patriots as well more recently are teams that have done it. And it's all about freeing up cap space on the front end. So he's got a three-year deal and then it automatically voids after that third year. And just by creating them two almost fake years in years four and five, you split your signing bonus over the first five years. Mm. So where the signing bonus is split 15 million each, three million a year, you then just automatically void it after year three, and then there's a six million dead cap just goes into that fourth year. And the Patriots are a perfect example. They did the same thing with Brady. Even though Brady is playing for the Buccaneers this year, They've got a three, 13.5 million dead cap that the Patriots have to account for this year just because all it is about is forcing that money down the line. You'll usually see it for teams that are really pushed against the cap and don't have any spare money doing deals like this. So it's quite unusual for the Browns to do it considering they've got cap rollover. But the reason why I think this is here, and um, you were probably like me, quite surprised when Conklin and Hooper deals came out, where they were money-wise and sort of how that he would still coming to the Browns. Both of these deals are really, really player-friendly. And I think that was a trade-off they made. Come to the Browns. It might not be the most glamorous team and city to come to. Come here and we're going to give you slightly less money than you think you might have got somewhere else. But we're effectively going to fully guarantee deals. And it's not sort of a Kirk Cousins guarantee where 100% is guaranteed. Just by setting up the... Um, sort of money in a certain way Conklin knows he has all three years of his deal literally 99% Hooper first three years and 99% that fourth year it's probably about 75% sort of confidence is going to be there so we're sort of telling the players look we're going to guarantee your deals come here we really want you
3: yeah I think you're completely accurate about that and when I saw you had tweeted about it I was following along interested because the whole voidable two years for Conklin didn't totally makes sense to me but that does make sense to me now and the fact that they can push that bonus money back and i have to pay it all out instantly right is that am i thinking along the right lines they can sort of spread that out but then you you can use five years instead of three to spread that out but you are going to carry that you know if you void it you are going to carry that dead cap number past that year right am i saying yeah, that right? so
4: okay. yeah so yeah After three years, if he walks on and goes to another team, in that year four, we just need to account for the six million. If we, say, the first three years go really well and we sign him to an extension, there's just an extra three million in that year four and five Ah, that will just count against the new contract. So it's one that, if we keep him long-term, it will just keep adding on and just sort of sit there as an extra payment on the next deal. If he goes somewhere else, we're paying six million for him to pay potentially for the Jets, in year four
3: yeah 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 okay that makes sense i understand why they would do that because conklin 25 you know his 25 year old season coming up he'll be 28 at the end of that three-year contract they probably would like to keep him you know if they they think he's going to play as well as he's going to play and i think he's going to play well barring injury i see both of them being really solid contributors Uh, i do see why both of those guys would be drawn to the idea of this guaranteed money situation more so than saying going somewhere else and having you know, less promises or more incentive bonus thing. I, I, I get where the Browns are coming from and trying to lay this out in a way that we need you. Here's how we can get you and not air quotes, break the bank, right? But um, they kind of did. And that's, but that's okay. They did it in a way that I think that they can be fine with as the thing goes on because you look at where the TV money's coming from, and I think you're going to see a massive TV deal. You probably see a little bit of a spike in the cap. Um to an extent. And it always goes up, but not always as quickly as others, but it does feel like it's going to shoot up a little bit. So do you feel, I guess I'm asking Jack, do you feel comfortable with where they're going? They're signing a bunch of one-year deals. I'm not asking you to tell everybody the world's burning down, but if you have concerns, that's okay. They've signed these one-year defensive deals and a lot of data says that this is the right way to go because of less. I talked about this with Jake uh, Trotter, who was on just a little bit ago that that I was recording with just a little bit ago, that this is sort of um, a thought process is that sustainable offensive success is more predictable players that are consistent typically uh provide consistency on offense and if you keep those pieces together you get more out of a contract Well, defense is a little bit more variable related uh in terms of how they sort of go about approaching defense with one-year deals and guys change over you can you can i guess the way to put it is you can sustain success defensively um you know, over over the long haul with less consistent pieces than you can offensively. So, like, with the one-year deals, are you okay with sort of where they're heading with some of the big deals that they might have to sign coming forward? Or are you a little bit worried about where it's going?
4: Uh, I was a um, big fan of the one-year deals. It's try before you buy. We've got to remember, however much GMs or fans think, yeah, this is my guy, this guy's going to be good, the majority of free agent signings are bad, especially for the value they then get. So the fact they're one-year deals means you can just walk away, wash your hands of it and be done. Um, And even if some of these players come in, do horrendously in camp, get beaten out, we can probably trade them on. Um, So you can just move them on to another team. So it's not something where you're tied to that person forever. And that's sort of... The slight risk that comes with Conklin and Hooper is you're committed to Conklin for three years. You're committed to Hooper for three, probably four years. So even if they don't work out, you're probably there holding the bag and they're just going to sit on the roster and be playing. But you might have had someone better. Whereas with all those one-year deals, it's perfect because if that player's great, which we all hope they are, you just sign them up. And then you might do that halfway through the season. So rather than wait until the end of the one-year deal and anyone else can bid on them, you go, actually, by week, say it's week 10, we're really happy with you. We're going to sign you up and we want to add on two more years. And then the other option is draft picks. It gives you lots of options around the draft because if you go and draft someone and then that player who you picked up in the draft is just as good as, say, a Cole Joseph, you're going, right, we just won't extend Cole Joseph. We've got this draft pick that is doing really well and we're happy with them and sort of between the draft because ideally if you can get the same production off a draft pick as someone you're paying four million a year to you get rid of the four million pound player and you just bring in the draft pick so it gives you lots of options to whether it's the draft whether it's somewhere else and if you're happy with them you've not got any dead cap on that player they move on and the less dead cap the more money there is to spend on other starters so it's going to be interesting what the Browns do because the big two deals coming down the line is Miles Garrett, who I wrote about earlier in this offseason. If it's going to happen, it will happen right before the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, literally in the wild preseasons already going on. That's when that deal is likely to come if it's going to happen. Baker, after year three, that's when you can start doing deals with rookies. So if he has an awesome year this year, they're going to do it this year, get it done really early. If you can get in before Mahomes even better mm-hmm. or if he doesn't have a great year this year he's still got next year so in that year four he can then prove yeah I'm the guy Browns don't need to rush into a deal and then they can make that decision so we've got some options for them but it's going to be once those deals are struck there's going to be a lot of salary cap dumping and um, you've got Vernon who's already in his final year. You've got Richardson. Even though he's got two years left, this is his final year. So don't be surprised if we draft a defensive tackle. And then you've got Jarvis Sandry. You've got OBJ. One of those two players is probably gone the end of this season. And that's not because they're not great players. Um, let's see what they do. And it's going to be an interesting battle between the two. Which one stays? Um, but just because you've got to free up that money. Um, once Sammy Watkins gets cut second year running, we're going to have the most expensive um, wide receiver tandem. And that's just not sustainable once you start paying Miles Garrett, once you start paying lots of these other players. So um, that's just three players that will move on to free up space. But um, it's about remaining flexible. And so while you might do a deal like Conklin, why you might do a deal like Hooper, you can't have too many deals like that where there's no out on them. because you've got to maintain flexibility. Yeah, and there's a lot
3: of stuff that has to clear up here. Like We've all been talking about this since their rookie years, Miles and Denzel and and Baker and all this money they have coming. Well, we don't know, right, Jack, like you're saying there. Is Denzel going to have a good third year? Is he going to have more injury issues? Is he going to be a guy they invest in long term? It's still too early to tell. I think Miles is a lock guy that you probably want to – Um, invest in long-term just sheer durability since he's been in the league you take out the boneheaded issue against Pittsburgh and you look at him being on the field and being productive I think it's a guy you definitely feel good about it I could it would be wild to me it would be against the grain of the league if they let him go and took back some draft picks or traded him wouldn't be that crazy I guess but it kind of would be crazy to me um, in terms of they don't have very many established cornerstone type guys, and I think he's the one who's done that so far. So I do think you're right about how they're going to approach him. But then you got to think Baker, if he doesn't have a good year three, then it's year four. He's got a fifth year option. They can, they can sort of, the same way the Bucks did with Jameis Winston, they can kind of flex it out and see what they got. But He could come up. You just don't know. There's some guys that they have that are cornerstone pieces that you just don't know about. They can't sustain paying two wide receivers long term. You can do it for a window of time, which they're proving you can do it for a window of time, but they can't do it long term if some of these other names pan out. Baker, Ward, Miles, like those deals are gonna cost money. So I'm not here to freak anyone out. Jack's not here to freak anyone out about the cap. I just think there's things that you gotta monitor. And when those big players establish themselves, if they make like if Denzel has a knockdown you know, you know, lockdown, I guess, is the better way to put it. Year, and he's he's fantastic, one of the best corners in the league. He's going to start getting interest to get, a you know, his next contract. So it could happen. We don't know. This is a big year for the Browns in terms of clearing up the future about what they're uh, long-term cornerstone pieces are going to be, and and um, it's, it's going to be fascinating how it all plays out. And then we can have some, I think we can have some better, Jack, some better discussions about this after next year, because I think we'll have a better feel for what they want to do long-term and the guys who will be feasible as long-term contract players. So this is good, man. You taught a lot of people about what's going on with Conklin and Hooper contracts. I think that's important. Make sure you're reading Jack's stuff at Dogland. He's doing good stuff about the cap. You might not agree with all of it. He's not meant to freak you out about things. You know, I, I, I think that sometimes opinions get taken over the top. He's just here to teach you some things about the cap, and I think you can learn some things from him. Even if you don't agree with some takes, you don't agree with everything I say, just uh, don't don't attack the person. It's just thinking in a different way than you are, and that's okay at the end of the day. So, Jack, thanks for joining me, man. And, um, you know, I always love having you on, and, and I hope we can do this again probably before the season or at least after the season when we know what these guys look like as far as cap figures go.
4: Always happy to jump on. Any questions anyone's got out there, my Twitter DM's always open, so at Jack Duffin, D-U-F-F-I-N. Either tweet them at me, DM them, whichever one you want. And the stuff I write at this, just like the Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield, when you sign those two deals, you could be in cap hell, was an article that it's just facts because it's that much money tied into two players. And the understanding is about being really, really smart with everything else you're doing on the roster because you can afford any player... But you can't afford too many amazing players. And one thing I always say to people, and they don't always quite grasp is, if you have too many players that you can't keep them all, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Exactly. Um, and you want to have too many good players. Because if we're having a conversation where you're going, we can sign everyone, then the roster's not good. So um, we want to be in sort of cap sort of difficulties, the same way the Eagles are every year. They work around it. They're smart. They're smart. They're really agile, and that's why. That's I'm right. Learning. Bad if bad Berries teams don't have cap issues, right? <laughs> yeah, Barry's learnt one thing being with Harry Roseman. If he can manage the cap, he is the best in the league when it comes to managing the cap. And if we can just take fifty percent of that, we have a fantastic GM that's gonna open up lots of doors, make lots of little smart moves, and we're gonna see a lot more going forward trades to add those players rather than free agency. Because we're going to be playing the uh, comp pick formula, which is a fantastic thing to do and adds just more and more talent. But thank you very much for having me, Jake. Um, keep up the great work. I always do enjoy this podcast.
3: Of course, Jack. Likewise, man. Make sure you're following Jack at Jack Duffin on Twitter. He's doing good stuff. Again, thanks to Jack. We'll be right back. I know plenty of you people out there still like to gamble during this tough time. And you can still do so despite there being no NBA, NHL, or MLB. Going to betonline.ag is your best place to get your gambling fix in right now, guys. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, games to wager on. You can let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino in Blackjack. They're open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props or entertainment betting, you can still be a sur- bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Come on, the weather. Visit their website. Join today to receive a $100. I said that right. 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. They're going to match that for you. Be sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. We're all home. We're all doing nothing. You might as well make some money gambling, make some money back. You can do that at BetOnline.ag. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online waging experts. Now, back to the podcast. Okay, welcome in ESPN's Jake Trotter, one of the best doing it up in Cleveland right now. Make sure you're following him, and uh, he's done a great job with free agency, so I thought it would be a great time to sort of bend his ear and see what he thinks about what's going on. Jake, how you doing, man? What's up, Jake? Not much. Pretty bored. I think everybody else in the country is, too. Luckily, football's given us that good reprieve, right? So um, I want to know, Jake, what your thoughts are on, on first. Like, Did you expect them to be hot and heavy after Conklin and Hooper right off the bat as we saw day one? Were you a little surprised by that? Sort of uh, your thoughts on the immediate big-name takeaways?
0: Yeah. You know, I I knew that Conklin was at the top of their board, and that was the guy Above everybody else that they were trying to get, and you know, I think it was certainly going to be competitive to get him because he was the top right tackle on the market and could fit the offenses of a lot of people in the NFL. But that that was their their number one guy, so I wasn't surprised surprised that they got him. Because I knew who, who that's who they were after, and you know, you look at the offensive line, you got the number ten pick. You can certainly it looks like get a, a really quality left tackle there at number ten, but if they were going to address address both bookings, you know they were going to need to get a right tackle as well in free agency, and that's what they did. Uh, I was a little surprised by Hooper, not in the sense that they got him uh, or or that they were going after him, but I just thought he was going to be too expensive. I thought there were going to be a lot of teams after him, and that you know just given their other needs, that they were going to have a hard time getting him too. So I thought that was a a huge coup for the offense and you know he's not the best offensive. uh, He's not the best tight end in the NFL, but he was the best tight end on the market. And given how often Stefanski likes to run multiple tight end sets, I thought that that was a huge get for them. And then, you know, Case Keenum was the guy I kept hearing that they were going to bring in a backup quarterback. Um, Not only is he a guy that can win a game in a pinch, he's proven that throughout his career, but they're looking for a mentor for Baker and a critical Third season. And I actually know a lot of people that have been around Case in the past going back to when he was in college. And everybody you talk to says that he is going to be great for Baker Mayfield. So, um you know, I think that they first day of free agency was all about Baker Mayfield's debe- development and supporting him better. And I think they achieved that because they got him a guy in Hooper that is going to be great in red zone situations and then play action and fits into this defensive offense. They got a right tackle uh, to shore up that side of the offensive line. And they got a backup quarterback in case Keenan, who I think is going to be a great mentor for Baker. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wasn't surprised by Conklin or A little bit surprised by Hooper in that. I didn't think they were going to be able to get him. So that was a, a huge get as well. Um, the first day of free agency was all about the offense and I think they, you know what? What you have to like about this is there was no Plan B. They hit Plan A, Plan A, Plan A, mm-hmm. and that already made free agency, I think, a success for them uh, before they even swung around to the defensive side. Yeah,
3: I think you're right. Certainly, think it's uh, it was important for them to to hit Conklin. They did Hooper. To me, like you said, I, I kind of echo your sentiment. Very big surprise, but it's a good surprise. I think, like we've all sort of pointed out, and you've done the same, is that they use two tight ends, and these guys are different. One is an inline Y tight end. And Hooper, who who puts his hand in the dirt quite often. And then Njoku's probably more comfortable perhaps expanding his role into more where he's more two-point stance tight end, can can motion around, be a different utilized weapon, could even play in the slot a little bit too. I think he could be a big slot sort of nightmare for some teams who don't have a nickel who can sort of cover a big body in there. So it should be fascinating. And you know, going back to Baker's days at Oklahoma, he loves tight ends. So I think they know that they need to to add those guys. And you talk defense, Jake, I want to talk about – your thought process on why they're going about defense this way. I've had a lot of people ask me this question. I think it's pretty fair. Why are they doing all these one-year deals? Do they not believe in these guys? What's the thought process behind those one-year deals? And is there anybody that they've signed? They've signed a plethora of people. And if you put your dinner down too, you know, too slowly at night, they picked up another player by the time you're done. Uh, it's happened to me a couple times. They've sort of been attacking this thing in the evening. So, you know, kind of your thought process behind what they're doing defensively with these short deals. What could be the benefit of those short deals and some players you like that they've
0: brought in? Well, I think that there are three reasons why you, you, you go this direction. If you're the Browns, you know, I think number one, you're not, you, you get a chance to evaluate all these guys, um, you know, who maybe their value went down a little bit for whatever reason. Uh, but somebody like Carl Joseph, a former first round pick, uh, still got a lot of talent. Um, so you, you get a chance to evaluate these guys without committing long term. Uh, number two, you buy your time with these veterans, while your young guys develop, your Mac Wilsons, your Sione Takitakis, your, you know, your, your, uh, your Sheldrick Redwine, and, and then whoever you draft uh, this year. And oh, by the way, I think, you know, feel pretty confident in saying they're going to take a left tackle with the first pick, the first round pick. I think, I think their second rounder, their two, three rounders, their fourth rounder, um, you know, I think there's going to be a, a big commitment to finding some defensive guys, particularly at the safety position, uh, there. And then, you know, number three, uh, you know, you're talking about if these guys all leave, well, if if, if they all leave, then you're going to land, um, you know, a haul in compensatory compensation in the uh, compensatory pick. So um, it really, you know, on the back end, you're going to be okay in, in terms of the assets you're going to get if you lose these guys. So um, I think that uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and, They have to be very careful as well with any long-term deals that they're going to do that they have the money on the backside to pay Miles Garrett, to pay Nick Chubb, to pay Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, you know, the cornerstones uh, of this team. So um, I think in signing one-year deals and then with the offensive guys they signed, Conklin, Keenum, and Hooper, you you notice there was a lot of front-loaded guaranteed money. Uh, So they're going to pay a lot this next season. But after that, you know, they, their impact on the cap is going to drop, even though, you know, those guys, you know, sign longer term, longer term deals. So that yeah. that's kind of the thinking yeah. behind signing guys to one year deals. And, you know, listen, I mean, you, there, there is some risk with it. Let's say, you know, Carl Joseph comes in and outplays his contract and goes sign somewhere else. You lose that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe if you had signed him to a three year deal and yeah. you wish you'd had him back, but, I think it's a, a calculated risk that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, you don't handcuff yourself long term and you know, you have a chance if you draft well to kind of develop your future starters while these guys while these guys fill in the gaps in between.
3: Certainly. I think there's, <laughs> you bring up a great point, which is the 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 problem of a guy outplaying a contract. If they get into that point, which that's been brought up to me too, if they get to that point, like you said, where Carl's outplaying his contract or something along those lines, Andrew Billings outplays his contract, has a fantastic year. You know, you have your foot in the door with those guys. You get the first crack at keeping them around and you gave them that chance, uh, like you said, and, and all of a sudden you have, uh, you know, an added bonus of time to to talk with a guy. And if they leave... Just like Jake pointed out, you get that compensatory pick stuff, which is great, and they've done a nice job. So, so good job, sort of reshaping, saving, and what I like too, and um, you know, what, what's big to me is that going into this draft, there's no longer a need to. Um, sort of address anyone. Left tackle's important, you know that. But like, there's no need to force any pick now. Do you feel that's kind of the way that they were going with this? Let's plug as many holes with people we know can at least play a baseline level, and then we can go best player available as often as possible.
0: Yeah, I think the you know a lot of people were focusing on you know the Trent Williams trade or you know signing a guy like Jason Peters. And I think the way that they went into pre- free agency, looking at it, was let's take care of everything else. Except left tackle. And then with this being such a good tackle draft, you know, the silver lining of a six and 10 season is you have the number 10 pick. There's a very good chance that if they just stand pat, that they're going to have their choice of maybe a couple guys they really like at left tackle. So, um, yeah, I think that, I think that was the objective going into free agency is let's not worry so much about the biggest hole we have. Let's take care of, you know, all the other ones. Um, with the money that we have and then we can worry about, you know, the glaring need at left tackle and and go find our, you know, future blindside protector with the number 10 pick and hope we don't pick that high, you know, ever again. And, you know, back to the, you know, back to the the, the defensive guys, they signed the one-year deals, you know, listen, if they outplay their contracts, like you have a chance to resign them one. And if they go leave because they, you know, they, they increase their value. That means your defense was pretty good. Yeah. You know, so, OK, like, you know, we had a, we had a great defense and, um, you know, those guys are going on to other things. But it's not necessarily a bad thing if they outplay the contract. That means your defense is better than maybe you thought it was going in. So um, that even though there's a downside there to them leaving, um, you know, at the same time, it means that those guys performed and that they were worthwhile sign, uh, signings at the time.
3: I agree I very much agree about you know outperforming in your defense is better and that's that brings to a larger discussion about how the Browns are sort of building long-term success for their offense with pieces they want to be around for a while and sort of the data that backs up long-term offensive success with pieces that are in place while defensive success can be a little bit more variable controlled a little bit less predictable and that's why I kind of align with the idea of shuffling guys in and out trying to find pieces that are budgetary pieces that fit because you just don't know year-to-year defense yeah you you want as many good players as you can but if you're turning over people that side of the ball is one where you can turn over people while still getting a decent variety of successful outcomes so before i let you go jake i just want to ask real quick sort of anybody that you you've, you've been nailing this thing you have a pretty good feel for sort of what they're looking for um, just sort of your hunch on what they want to do the rest of the free agency period heading into the draft
0: yeah i, I think that they've made their splashiest signings already you know i know they, they'd like to add another pass rusher but you know, the big ticket guys, the Clownies, even, you know, Everson Griffin. I think that that might be more than, than they, they are willing to pay at this point. So um, I think that's a possibility, but we'll kind of see how the market, uh, you know, shakes up here at the back end of free agency You know, I, I don't think it's unthinkable that they would sign, you know, a, a veteran right guard. You know, not, a, not again, not a guy that is going to cost you a lot, you know, maybe a stopgap type. Um, I think they feel reasonably, uh, reasonably okay with, you know, a combination of Wyatt Teller and Drew Forbes and maybe even Chris Hubbard, depending on what happens with him now at right guard. And, and, and honestly, if right guard is your only weakness offensively, uh, you know, you're, you're probably in pretty good shape. So I, I think for the most part, they are done. Um, you know, could there be a trade that happens between now and the draft? Like, I, certainly possible. But, you know, as far as free agency, I think. I think for the most part, they are like 90% done.
3: Good stuff, Jake. I appreciate it, man. You guys got to make sure you're following him. He's got a pulse on free agency. I'm sure heading into the draft, he'll have a good pulse on things up there too. And this is just year one, just going into year two with Jake Trotter. He's going to keep expanding his coverage and doing fantastic stuff at ESPN. Again, make sure you're following him. Jake, thanks for joining me, man.
0: Yeah, anytime, Jake.
3: Thanks. Okay, welcoming in, friend of the show, somebody you're familiar with, Brendan Leister. I think he's got great opinions on where the Browns are looking to fill certain positions and um, wanted his opinion on a lot of things. He's a pro football focus analyst among many other football roles he has. Brendan, how you doing?
2: Doing great. How about you?
3: Good, man. Can't complain. Trying to find things to talk about. Pretty bored, obviously, but uh, <laughs> we'll make do here. I want I want to hear your opinions, man. I want you to get this out to, to listeners on sort of what you think they've done with free agency here, how the start has gone, and then... Um, you know, what What you think they still need to fill in, in the coming weeks before the draft?
2: Yeah, so on the first day of free agency, I really liked how they went out and, you know, targeted a few guys um, that they really liked and got them on board quickly. Austin Hooper, I think he'll be a security blank for, blanket for Baker Mayfield and someone that he'll trust to throw to in any situation, especially down in the red zone where they had trouble last year. So I think that he'll uh, benefit them. I know some people have had issue with the contract, but I think... That once some of the top tight ends in the league get paid in a few years, that contract won't look really nearly as, uh, you know, nearly as bad as it looks now to some people, I guess. But I thought it was pretty reasonable. Um, I like the Jack Conklin signing. I just think he's a solid starting right tackle. That's going to be a fixture for the team for the long term. Really good scheme fit in the um, in Stefanski's uh, zone blocking scheme. Um, and then getting Keenum for the quarterback room. I thought that was a good signing. Uh, I think it's just good for Mayfield, you know, being around him seems like a good guy to have in the room. Um, day two, I thought it was good that they went out and got Janovich, obviously targeting him for the offense. They're going to use a fullback this year. It's going to be a big part of what they do. Um, you know, he'll probably play 15 snaps or so a game, um, something like that. And, you know, that's a big role for them. He's a really versatile guy. He can play a lot of roles. So that's, I think that's important. Um, And then I really like what they've done with the defensive side of the ball. Um, Really just adding solid veteran players. um, Just going from, you know, Andrew Billings to Carl Joseph to Andrew Sandejo, uh, Kevin Johnson. I think these are all guys that have, you know, played solid football recently, I think in the past year. And although they're not all necessarily full-time players, um, I think that they're all players that have value in a league where defenses use a lot of sub-packages. And although these players might not be guys that are out there a thousand snaps, even if you play one guy, you know, 400 snaps here, 300 snaps here, um, you know, just different situational um, tendencies using guys in different roles. I think that's valuable. And even B.J. Goodson, you know, just as being a rundown linebacker, you know, I don't anticipate them having him in on pass having him in on pass downs very much. But I think um, even he has, you know, value for just being out there when they play teams like the Ravens and the 49ers that really gave them trouble last year running it down their throat.
3: Yeah, I like that too. I like the obviously the the idea of having flexibility on defense and they're addressing it. They're addressing it in the short term with potential to use certain assets at their disposal to fix the long term, right? We've talked to talked to Jake about that earlier on this podcast. We're gonna we're gonna get your opinion on it too, because I think it's pretty valuable. I think when you look at what they have left to fill, Brendan I, You start to sort of look down the line, right? You look at what the big picture shows. Maybe you start thinking about defensive line interior-wise. I know you've made note of um, um, Sheldon Richardson's contract and the out that comes after this next year. And then it's a make-or-break year for Larry Ogunjobi at the end of his rookie deal. And Andrew Billings is on a rookie deal, too. So in 2021... I know we're looking way down the line here, but you could be looking at a revamped interior defensive line. And then you're looking at a couple older safeties and, and, or, you know, Sandejo's a little bit older and then you have a one year Carl Joseph sort of deal there. So you, so you really want to keep adding defensively. And I would imagine that's what you're looking to do the rest of this uh, free agency. Correct me if I'm wrong there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that, well, just to start, I think linebacker is a position that they should definitely look to still add just another veteran to, compete with mac wilson um he was really um you know he just played like a rookie last year there were some you know flashes here and there but i thought on the whole he kind of disappointed just from a play-to-play standpoint um bringing someone in to compete with him and uh like i mentioned before you know play a few hundred snaps so he played i think over 900 snaps last year so if if you can cut his roll down significantly you know make him more of a maybe a part-time player with a veteran linebacker that can cover like, uh, Nigel Bradham from the Eagles. I think that would be a really good signing for them. Uh, Bradham's 30 years old, but, um, just looking at his, you know, his grading profile through pro football focus. I mean, he's been a very good cover linebacker the past few years. And I think his role would be probably more on, on coverage downs, but that's okay because, you know, I think he'll give them a lot of value in that situation. And as we all know, it's a passing league. Um, also I think safety is still obviously a position that they have a need at. Um, I don't know if they'll necessarily sign another safety, but I think it'll definitely be something that they're going to, they're going to go after in the draft. Um, I think another corner could even be valuable just looking at some of the names that are available, you know, Nickel, Nickel, Roby Coleman, and, uh, and Logan Ryan are a couple guys that are really good cover players that can play. Um, they can cover the slot, which would allow Kevin Johnson kind of to have flexibility to cover outside at times as well as inside at times. So I think those are a couple names that they could still be interested in if, if they could get them at the right price on a one-year deal. And um, also I think edge depth, you know, depth behind Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett, because I think that they have to make sure that those guys can make it healthy and fresh and playing well through a whole 16 game season. I know that we all have questions about Vernon in that capacity because he's, um, been injured, you know, over and over throughout his career. So having solid depth behind them is important. I would like to see them go after someone, you know, maybe like Jordan Jenkins. Um, he's 26 years old, so he fits the age profile, but it's hard to say if he'll take the smaller one year deal, like the Browns are giving out to a lot of these defensive guys. Um, Cam Wake, even though he's older, I think he's an intriguing option on the edge just because he's such a good situational pass rusher still. And the Browns could really use someone like that. He would also be a good veteran for the locker room. And um, I also like what you said about defensive tackle. I mean, in a year, they're going to be replacing three guys on the interior that are all probably going to play huge roles for them this year at those positions. So... Um, they absolutely have to look that direction in the draft. Draft a year ahead. Hopefully, they can hit on maybe an undrafted free agent, and then it's probably going to be a need next offseason as well. So, um, you know, you hope that they can extend one of, you know, maybe Billings or maybe Oganjobi if Oganjobi has a big year in this contract year. But still, they're going to probably be replacing two of those defensive tackles at the very least, possibly even three. So that's that's a big need moving forward, even if it's not a huge need right now.
4: Yeah, I'm
3: with you. I think defense is where they need to focus heavily. And I just it kinda of got brought to my mind about defensive tackle and sort of where these things are going. You and I had a conversation earlier today about hopefully, you know, we want to praise these guys when things are going right. And 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 especially Larry Ogunjobi is a big focal point of that because, you know, he's a good dude, he's a great guy, but the play's been inconsistent, especially since his rookie season, uh, you know, moving forward. And we want to believe he's a guy who can anchor this defensive line, but you're just, you know, I'm just not there yet. And I know you're not there yet, and I'm not even remotely sure that the Browns are even close to even offering him another contract until they see some sort of more consistent play. So, you you know, you make a good point here that they could be replacing, they could be replacing three of them. And that's a big deal because it's a vital position uh, especially with the importance of interior pass rush and being able to at least anchor down a guard or a, t- a center when your linebackers need to make plays in the run game goes without saying. So, you know, they have to look forward and, and pay attention to defensive tackle, and I'm probably not giving that enough attention personally. So um, good answers from you there, my friend. And then and then sort of anything offensively you would consider, like Rashard Higgins coming back, possibly adding one more wide receiver. I, I mean, other than that, I think they're fine at tight end. I like Ricky Seals-Jones as a third option with Steven Carlson. Uh, offensive line. I think they're they're just going to roll with right guard. I'd be pretty surprised unless you know Lane from from the OBR had mentioned unless somebody falls into their lap as a right guard. I just don't see them moving anything there. So offensively, anything draw uh, your attention as an immediate cheap free agency sort of depth add.
2: Um, you know, at the right price, I would absolutely be interested in Rashard Higgins returning. I think that that would be that would be best for the both. You know, for both parties. I think um, with the way that this wide receiver free is going, it just seems it's going so slow. And that's partly because of the draft class because this draft class just has so many talented wide receivers and teams don't want to pay a ton of money to a wide receiver, a veteran that's going to cost, cost a lot of cap room right now. They'd rather just wait till the draft in a month. Um, I think the longer this goes on, the more likely that Higgins will return. I think he would really benefit them. You know I'm a big fan of his game. Yeah. I thought that he kind of just got – you know, it was just an unfortunate situation last year with however that went down behind the scenes after his uh, injury week one. And I think you would definitely help him because he's a versatile guy that can play inside, outside. Um, you know, compliments what OBJ and Jarvis Landry bring very well. Also has great chemistry with Baker Mayfield, as we saw in 2018. And, and even if they do bring Higgins back, I would still like to see them draft a wide receiver on day two or early day three, because I just think this is such a talented wide receiver class, um, in a year or two, they're probably going to have to move on from one of those two talented wide receivers, whether it's Landry or OBJ, because the contracts are just going to get to the point where they can't afford to keep everybody. So someone's going to have to go at some point. Um, so they need to start draft, they need to draft a year ahead or a year or two years ahead and bring in a talented wide receiver to compete, but yeah, you'd have a really good wide receiver group all, all around. If you could have those top two Higgins, you know, a draft pick, and then also just, you know, whoever's left of those other guys that are going to compete between Ratley, Montgomery Hodge, um, Natson will definitely be a returner, but we shouldn't really view him as a receiver necessarily. And then also Taewon Taylor. Yeah. Um, other than that, on offense, I agree with you about right guard. I think Teller and Forbes will compete. They'll battle it out. We'll see how that goes. Um, I'm not really worried there, even if I don't think either player is likely to be spectacular this year. I think that you can win with solid on the offensive line, and I think there's a chance either guy is solid. Um, I think, you know, maybe another interior like swing offensive lineman. Maybe just to go with what they already have. Whoever loses that battle at right guard um, will probably be one of the swing offensive linemen on the inside. But you still you need to carry eight on game day. And at this point, I think they probably only have six or seven that they like. So, you know, they're going to add a left tackle. But, yeah, you can always use depth on the offensive line. So the, that's the only two positions. I do like the way the tight end group shapes up now and the rest of the offense – you know, looks good on paper. Um, I will say that if they were to trade Kareem Hunt in restricted free agency, now all of a sudden they would be looking for a backup running back. And I think even if they, even if they were to keep him, they should be looking for running back options just because Hilliard and Dearness Johnson didn't look, you know, they they were just so up and down and really just down most of the time last season. So really they, they need to find a third option behind those two.
3: Absolutely. I think that they uh they certainly can do that. They'll probably play the uh undrafted free agency card again and and look mm-hmm. to and look to build and and hopefully this group's a little better on capitalizing on some of those sort of hidden talent gems. So, uh we'll keep an eye on it. Good stuff from Brendan here. I really appreciate your time, man, and make sure you're following him on Twitter. It does a great job answering questions, giving analysis and putting it in a way that is pretty simple for everybody to understand and hasn't an, you know, an inside eye through pro football focus of the guys who are playing well and guys worth keeping an eye on. So again, follow his work. And uh, you wrote up a couple things on Leicester football, right? Am I saying that right?
2: Yeah, Um, yeah. I've gotten back into writing a little bit more lately. So people can check that out if they want. It's leicesterfootball.com. Good
3: stuff, man. Guys, make sure you check that out, following him. He's the usual on here. You already know him if you're listening. Uh, He does great stuff. Brendan, thanks, man. I appreciate you joining me.
2: Thanks, Jake. Have a great day. You too, man.
3: Okay, once again, big shout-out to Jack, Jake, Brendan. They took time out of their uh, their lives right now, which have some, you know, everyone's got their own crazy stuff going on, and really appreciate them. I'm going to try to do as many podcasts as we can talking about things Browns-related. It's going to get dry soon as free agency runs down. We might do a air quotes unwatchables podcast where we bring back folks who are at or heavily involved in some of these crazy Browns games since 1999. If you have any ideas on that, things you'd like to hear uh, there's a plethora of options, and I'm looking both good and bad uh, for fun games and bad games uh, alike. Bottlegate to uh, the Peyton Hillis New England game, or the you know any any and all things you can think of. There's not a ton of fantastic wins, but there are. Certainly some pretty crazy losses that we could relive if you're into that kind of thing. Just look in Brown's content, man. We'll keep covering the draft. We'll keep covering free agency roster changes, what comes and goes. We'll continue to do that. Again, there is some OBR news coming up that I think will excite you guys who are followers at the OBR. Um, We've got some great things in line with some podcasting going on there. I'll announce that before too long and, and uh, continue to write. I'll write about some of the new free agent acquisitions over the upcoming week. And keep an eye out for that. I wrote on Hooper and Conklin some film studies on them. If you have not joined us at the OBR, please do so. I know uh, it's tough to ask for that sort of subscription model at this time, but that's how we get our work that we pour hours into some 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 sort of compensation for the time that we put into it. And I really appreciate you guys doing that. Appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast, which uh, means a lot to me. Obviously, are you leaving uh, any sort of review on iTunes or. Um, you know, any sort of written up subscription stuff would be great there on iTunes too I always genuinely appreciate that and again my DMs are open if you want to chat about anything I can give away certain things but not everything or if you just want to talk ball to get your mind off things again follow me there on Twitter and, and uh, feel free to reach out to me if you'd like uh, thanks for listening guys really appreciate it I'm hoping to have something like two more podcasts this week so we'll keep our fingers crossed if the schedule works out and again as usual sign off with Go rounds.